Hi, and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to 9to42, the podcast from the guys at the Guitar Show UK. And I'm looking at my very good friend Jason Hunt on screen. Jace, how the hell are you? I'm very good, mate. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. But I'm a bit disappointed because you've got big flakes of snow, as you pointed out. You've got big flakes of snow. Huge flakes of snow at the moment. And we haven't got any snow. Chucking it down. No. I, and I and I want snow and I've not got it. So <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm 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 a, I'm a bit jealous. I'm a bit jealous. And we've just uh, we've just been chatting off air with our guest tonight, who was basically putting putting us right that your your recent social media posts this evening are already out of date. And actually, you're part of the problem. I believe is what our guest said. Oh uh, yes, my uh, my Bernie sat down memes. Yes, the Jane's addiction and the Fleetwood Mac ones that I've put out. Oh, part of the problem. Other oh, part of the problem, and that's come directly from our guest. Who, yeah. So tonight we have Misha Misha Manchur. Can't even say it now. <laughs> now, now I deserve Misha, that. <laughs> you did. You did. Because the first thing I did was was in, insult you guys. That that's how I like to start every podcast is just insulting the host. I feel like that just sets a good tone for for everything. <laughs> I just assumed you'd listened to this before because that's <laughs> it's an hour's worth of random insults and nonsense, really. So, uh, um, so yeah, so we have Misha Mansour with us tonight. Um, well, we're tonight. You're not because you're in the states, so it's a yep. little earlier in the yep. little earlier in the day uh, in the day for you. Uh, welcome. Uh, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, I'm uh, wrapping up uh, my uh, my solo album right now. Which has been a labor of love, uh, mm. and and I hated working on it. I really, really <laughs> <laughs> I like I like writing with people. Most of my life, I've written you know all my side projects with someone else, just having someone else in the room. And like this has been a real labor of love. Like the 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 ideas themselves were were cool, but like finalizing everything, like going through this mastering process, doing I'm doing everything except for the mastering. And it's just, I just want it to be done and I don't want to have to listen to it another time and I'm going to have to listen to it and listen for like, you know, export errors, clicks, like you're not even get to listen to it in a fun way. Like you're listening in just the most dreadful way. So, you know, that that's where I'm at that. But like, as far as problems go, that's not too bad. Right. You know, but I'm still complaining about it. <laughs> I, know, I know what you mean. I did, um, I, I did a, a, a album a couple of years ago uh just just for fun just for me really and i and I'm, i got a whole 50 of them pressed i've still got about 35 of them in a box somewhere but actually by by the time it came back from mastering i couldn't tell any difference because i'd listened to it so many times yeah and and, and like i gave it to mates and they were like oh mate this is so much better now it's been mastered and i'm like <laughs> can't hear any difference at all <laughs> yeah i'm at the point where everything just sounds terrible and i've accepted it and you know i'm i'm just when i'm when i'm done with this i'll probably never listen to it again i'll listen to it once just to make sure everything's kosher and i'll never listen or it'll, it'll be years before i listen to it again because that's where i'm at with this right now it's just <laughs> and this is this is par for the course for me by the way by the time i'm usually so involved with the you know the the engineering the writing the mixing and everything that like by the time we're in those final mastering stages and whatever. It's like I've heard it all so many times in every context that now all I'm hearing is the bad stuff. I don't hear it as a good thing anymore, and I just never <laughs> want to hear it again. I don't even want to listen to music right now. Just silence is a wonderful gift. <laughs> so this, this because I've, I've obviously been stalking you on Facebook to you know read through your posts and stuff like that. You started, announced this album in 2013, I think. Oh man, I mean, no, like it's God. I've been talking about a solo album since like 2005, you know. So it's like it's always been this idea in the back of my head, and I just never did it. I never had a reason to do it. It was always, you know, because I write a lot and and with no real purpose. And 
oftentimes you know I'll write something for periphery but it doesn't get used or sometimes i'll write stuff that's not for periphery and they're like oh we should use that but you end up with this backlog of stuff and then sometimes it's stuff i'm pretty proud of but i'm like i don't really know what to do with this and it's these half finished ideas and i always like flirt with the idea of like i should just finish up some of these ideas and call it a solo album and whatever and i never really had much of a reason to do it but last year the year before last so in 2019 i just felt like i had not been very creative uh, and I was pretty mm -hmm. bummed out about that. So I sort of made a goal for myself, like in 2020, I'm going to be creative. I'm going to write a lot. And I just sort of made sure that there'd be a lot that I would do. And I also commit, committed to myself that I would get my solo album done in that year, which is probably the main reason why I didn't get it done in that year, because I told myself I would. Um, and I'm just <laughs> terrible with stuff like that. But, you know, we're, we're, we're at the beginning of uh, 2021. Good enough. And, uh, and, and I had a reason we, we have a label, uh, three dot recordings, uh, you know, we have a vessel to put it out easily. It can get done properly. Uh, and then that's where like this fun project just turns into pressure because it's like, I want this to sound great. And I'm not just writing, I'm mixing, I'm engineering, I'm doing all these things. And I'm, I feel like I'm representing myself on all of those fronts too. So those all need to be a certain way. And like, it's very tough not to sweat all the details. And sometimes I just wish there was another person in the room just going like, yes or no you know and it would save me just hours of heartache and second guessing but uh you know that it just didn't work out that way i even tried to have my brother uh uh come out but like he 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 ran off to do other things that are more important so i was not able to secure him for that so it's been it's been a bit of a long and arduous process it's been a real labor of love as i said but um at least it's we're almost there. We're, I thought we were there, and now it turns out we've got a couple more revisions to make. But we're almost there. So, so when this is done, I'm assuming that you 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 can't tour it at the moment, obviously in the states. So um, I wouldn't tour off this stuff, anyways. This is just to, this right. is just to put it out there, just just so it's done, just so after 15 years, I actually like you know kept a promise or something. Because. <laughs> Hey, it's never too late to start, I suppose. But uh, no, this is there's no intentions to tour. It'll probably take three months of promo or whatever. So, you know, if I turned it in today, it would be out in like March, April, that kind of time, you yeah. know. Uh, but it's not turned in today. So, <laughs> do you know what? Whatever you might think about that length of time, earlier on in the series, we interviewed a guy called Simon Bartholomew from the brand new Heavies, and he'd been working on his solo album for I think 28 years. Oh. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. So it's still not out, is it? And I don't think it's out yet. No. See, that's unacceptable. Uh, Twenty-eight years. Uh, I'm I'm saying that the reasonable cutoff is fifteen. That right. any right. reasonable person. So he's completely yeah. out of line. Yeah. I I just I just made the cutoff, and I didn't. You know, the rules are not up to me. I'm just conveying them to you guys. <laughs> on a serious note, though, you've been doing that. I, I guess largely on your own. Yeah. Um. And is that? Is that where effectively trying to self-produce is a challenge, where actually having a producer there would be helpful for somebody who would say, do you know what, that's fine, leave it. Don't, don't go, that's, it's great. You know, that, that's actually an interesting question because on the surface it seems like it, but actually I have such a clear vision for what I want that I don't need someone telling me what to do. I just need someone more to bounce things off of, like, Hey, is that cool? Or am I, you know, I'm just too close mm -hmm. to it. And sometimes it's tough to take that step back and see the forest for the trees. Like I'm just obsessing over this one part, how the guitar tone is binding with the bass on this. And like it can, you know, when I do listen to this again, like down the line, this happens with every periphery album. By the time we put it out, uh, I'm like, oh God, like, you know, this is wrong. That's wrong. I hate the way the snare drum sounds on this, but I'll come back to it a few years later, not attached to it. I'm like, oh, that was cool. We, we, we captured a pretty cool vibe, but it's because I'm now out of it, you know? So it's more like having someone who is out of it. What you're talking about is great when you've got someone who's got a lot of talent and a lot of ideas, but doesn't really know how to like arrange, doesn't have a clear vision for what they want. You bring someone in the vision and they can sort of like temper that into something. And ideally you have similar enough visions at the end of the day and you have good enough chemistry to where the result is more than the sum of the parts, right? Um, but we've had trouble working with uh with uh producers both as the band uh, i've never really worked with anyone from my personal stuff but it's because unless they really fundamentally understand what you're going for you'll just butt heads uh and i've produced bands and had that problem as the producer as well where like someone thinks they want my input but they actually don't 
Uh, and I've tried to quit those projects too, because it's just, it's just like, it's like, no, it's very clear that, that you know what you want. You don't want my suggestions, but you just also need someone else to help you finish this. But this is not really the job I was hired for. You know, I was here as like a creative contributor, you know, uh, and, and someone mm -hmm. who could direct this thing. And this is based off of our conversation what you said you wanted. So this is what makes sense. But, you know, maybe they didn't communicate well or maybe they think they want something, but their gut says they want something else. Uh, producing producing is a very weird sort of nebulous role like in, in its definition. And, and it can be so many things. And it's, so it's, it's kind of a tough one. Um, and that's why, that's why your question is super interesting because in the right scenario, maybe, uh, and maybe there's a person out there who would have been the perfect quote-unquote producer for this, but I don't know who that is, and I, I kind of just had to rely on myself to do it. And that's why these things can take a very long time sometimes, because it's just the second guessing is real. Uh, and you want mm. to put out something that really is special, something... It's not about other people. It's just I have to feel a certain way about it. And sometimes I'm just mm. not, and I know it. And until I do, I just can't put it out, or it just gets too discouraging. I'm like, I give up, you know? So, <laughs> so that's been kind of the dilemma. So we're looking at you on the screen now. Are you actually in your own recording studio? Yep, yep, I am. Yeah. So, so is this like a um, not in your house, or is this in the no, back no, of your no? House this or... is this is just one of the rooms in, in my apartment. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah, this is my creative space, and uh, generally, the dirtier it is, the more music I've been writing. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's relatively clean now because I've been uh, mostly just like mixing and and doing like. The less creative stuff happens, the, the cleaner it looks. <laughs> so one, one quick question before you, we get on to a little bit more about you and your career. Um, we've watched a lot of images come across from the, um, from the US this week, as you could expect. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of positive images coming across from the US yeah. this week. Uh, and it, and it, it feels not like a weight's been lifted, but it certainly feels like it's, it's been a more positive week, shall we say. Is that is that the vibe across the country? That's certainly what's been for those of us looking in. That's what we're seeing. Well, it's interesting that you say positive because, uh, as probably one of the largest QAnon supporters, I still think this election was stolen, and it's very clear that uh, I don't know why you're laughing. Uh, it's very clear that uh, that Trump will find a way. It, trust me, I know that Biden's in office, but just you wait. The new date is uh, March fourteenth. That day we'll see yes. who's laughing. We'll see who's laughing then because he's got this 5D chess plan. Trust me to to get in there. No, it's been a it's been a massive relief. <laughs> and I mean, you know, we've been I've been I've been somewhat outspoken about certain things. I generally don't talk about politics unless it's like super important. You know, what happened the the insurrection at the Capitol was really unacceptable and I posted about that and I definitely shamed a lot of people who su su supported that. Um and you know, if there's ever backlash or whatever, I'll handle it. I'll own it. I do think I'm on the correct side of history on that one. And it is interesting that yeah, both so. both parties agreed that that was unacceptable. So, mm. you know, I think that's a pretty safe bet <laughs> when you've got literally yeah. everyone in the country being like, wow, that was incredibly stupid and unpatriotic. But, mm. um, you know, there's a lot of people who, you know, maybe were coerced or tricked or whatever. I don't know what leads someone to go and think that that's a, a good idea. And I don't really know what the end game is. It's like great, you're in. Now what? You know, you're gonna you're gonna shoot people. You're gonna hang these people. You're gonna convince them to make Trump president, and then what? Like go home and have dinner? Like, <laughs> no, that's <laughs> like. Did you think past this first part? Anyways, it's it's been a relief to see like sort of democracy actually still working despite all this mm -hmm. craziness. Because there have mm. been moments where, you know, we, we, we wondered, like, what, what can happen? It's been a pretty unpredictable four years. Um, and, you know, I, I just kind of learned not to expect anything in particular. So, it, yeah, I'm a, bit, I'm a bit relieved. And I would mm. say a lot. I would, I would say probably safely most Americans are, too. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think the reason for asking the question was that it, it seemed to be the inauguration last time where it started to, even at that point, it all started to look wrong. You know, the whole thing about the crowds and what have you. From that day, it was like, oh, we're in a different kind of reality here. Sure. And yet, the, almost exactly the same point three, four years later, it, it already starts to feel better. Right. You know, that day itself was like a cathartic kind of day. It, it, 
you know, in terms of the images that we were seeing. Yeah, well, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, whether or not you like Biden, he's a centrist. He plays the game. He knows he knows how to behave, you know, and I think the bar was set so low that now you can be happy about something where it's like, oh, nothing of note happened, you know, yeah. like <laughs> there wasn't any crazy story. I think for a lot of people, uh, you know, and, you know, this might even be true for you guys, because even though you don't have to care about American politics, I feel like the whole world is sort of had to or wanted to yeah. or whatever but like maybe this will be four years where you just don't have to care you don't have to hear about it every day and won't that be nice you know yeah yeah it, it is weird i mean but it has such a, a profound effect on the uk yeah what happens in the states yeah uh, and you know i mean we've got almost uh our own we've got a scarecrow with funny hair rather than an orange man in control uh, and they seem to be such good friends at times and you just think oh dear God, is this is this where we're going? But but the difference yeah. the difference with uh, Boris Johnson is that like he's more dangerous to me because he's smart. He's not an idiot. See, Trump's unpredictable, so no one really knows. Even even the GOP. I mean, like, there's a good chance he, that his presidency might destroy the modern Republican Party, and they might have a lot of trouble winning elections from now on. Whereas, mm -hmm. and that's because he's this unpredictable element. They created a monster, and he's out of control. And and now who knows what will happen? He won an election potentially to lose the next bunch, right? Uh, Boris Johnson is not an idiot. He knows exactly what he's doing. Um, and that, to me, is a lot more dangerous, you know? Because then you can be so much more manipulative and you can be potentially a lot more nefarious or selfish in, in the things that you do, which he would do just to benefit himself or his cronies or whatever. So that is not trying to compare here, but like that is the one no. thing that always worried me a little bit about uh, Boris Johnson. You know, he plays, he plays the part, but that guy knows what's going on. The only advantage we have is that also he's fundamentally lazy, and I think he likes <laughs> the idea of being a former prime minister more than the idea <laughs> of actually being a prime minister because it involves some work. So, uh, you know, so we've got to hope that actually in reality that he doesn't break too much while he's, he's in there. True. And then, he can, it, then he can go off and enjoy the, the fruits of it, which I imagine probably means, you know, fathering another 15 or 20 more kids but uh whatever comes next for boris but yeah we'll 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 wait and we'll wait and see but there we are anyway jason i will pass over to you because i believe you've got questions aplenty uh, yeah well i mean i suppose the first question and the most important question when i was going through your social media the thing that kind of leapt out at me more than anything was there was a petition to get you as a host on Top Gear. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I, and I want to know which lineup of Top Gear that was. Are we talking the classic Clarkson, Hammond and May? Or are we talking the new lineup? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, 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 the old lineup's already been replaced. Uh, and, and I actually, you know, funny enough... Um, even though I don't get a lot of the references, I feel like the new Top Gear is very British. Like, I, I had no idea who the yeah. other two present. I know who Chris Harris is because I love cars, and I've always known who Chris Harris is. But I actually don't. I'd actually say for probably from most British people, he's the one people know the least. So, yes. um, yeah. so it, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing. But I actually think they have a, a really good dynamic. So it's very different from old school Top Gear, uh, which I'm obviously a massive, massive fan of. And, and anyone who's into cars is a massive fan of. Um, I, so I, I don't know, I don't know what that petition's actually for. Uh, it's more, to, it's more commentary on the fact that like, yes, I love cars and it's all I think about all day. Uh, and, and, you know, same thing with, uh, one of my best friends, uh, and incredible musician Tosin, who I accidentally got into cars while producing, uh, the joy of motion, <laughs> like, cause I picked him up from the airport and I had, I'd just gotten a BMW M3 and he was like, Oh, a new car. Why'd you get it? I was like, because it can do this. <laughs> like, I kind of <laughs> drove it in a spirited fashion. And like, by the time we got to my place, he's like, hmm, I think I might need a car that can do that. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so, uh, so <laughs> like, uh, he's gotten super into it. And actually, there's a lot of musicians in the car community. And um, the cars are like one of those things that like most people don't care about. Um, and most people don't want to hear you talk about it. <laughs> so when car people find each other, it's like, Ooh, Oh, you're one. Of, okay. So we can have a conversation and then we'll just talk for hours about cars and nothing else. And everyone's like, what weirdos, you know? So I've ended up becoming friends with a lot of 
musicians or I'd say car people who happen to be musicians because we rarely ever yeah. talk about music and we really just talk about our love of cars, you know? Um, and, and yeah, I think, I think they were saying maybe Herman from Dragon Force is the, is the third guy. I forget. But whatever it is, it's entirely a joke, and I don't, I wouldn't take it seriously. No one can replace the original three. I mean, that's well known. That's 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 a well known fact. Still, heroes of mine, you know. And uh, I know that that like not all British people love Jeremy Clarkson, like for his political takes, and that's fine. Uh, but him on Top Gear is wonderful, you know. I've got a, I've got a Clarkson story. So, no way. Uh, Fifteen. 15-ish years ago. So I, I don't know if you know the place. You might have played there uh, with Periphery. The the NEC in Birmingham, big. Uh, it's the biggest event venue in the country. Hmm. It's got, it's my got memory's bad. My memory's bad. It's possible, but maybe, maybe not. The thing is, the arena's not called the NEC. The arena is called the Barclay Card Arena, the Genting Arena, whatever sponsorship deal that they've got. So it changes. We might have been too small to, to play that. <laughs> <laughs> and um so i was running a, a a sort of an event like i run now it was called music live and it was it was like a mini nam um, oh, okay and it was in in november and my company that i worked for so i was in one exhibition hall running uh this event called music live and across the um sort of like walkway was another exhibition hall in which was top gear live oh with, with the three of them Oh yeah, which was, which was also run by my my company. So it was they, wow. they were the biggest events company in the UK at the time, and um, and so uh, we all stay in the hotel, the Hilton Hotel on site when we're running events, and uh, so we're there for about a week, and so we'd had, we'd done the opening day sort of thing. They've been quite successful. I've been really successful, and I'm sat in the bar, and it's about ten o'clock at night, and the the equivalent of me on Top Gear Live gives, gives me a call and says, Jace, Jace, I need a bass guitar, a drum kit, and a keyboard. Uh, right. For tomorrow morning, the three of them have decided that in between presenting on the stage, they're going to form a band and perform. I've seen, for the I've seen this. I've definitely seen... Well, I don't know if it was that exact. I've definitely seen them... Playing instrument, <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, "Um, okay, you see, you need this, yeah, we need it for eight o'clock in the morning. It's ten o'clock at night. That's funny. I'm <laughs> half drunk in the bar. <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm, but fortunately, I've got a, an exhibition full of gear, you know, and whilst that's on display, and I can't take that, I'm able to get warehouse, warehouse people to drop stuff off at eight o'clock in the morning. Right. Get all this stuff, mad scramble, get it in backstage, put the electronic kit together for Clarkson and everything. They never touched it. The oh, whole really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I have seen, I have seen whether uh, like it was a Top Gear Live or something where they were attempting to play, you know? It seems, uh, seems like they were just having a good old time, you know? <laughs> One thing I need, to, I need to pick up on from what you said, driving in a spirited fashion, is that what it said on the charge sheet? Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what the cops call it, you know? They might have more <laughs> colourful words for it, you know? But uh... well, well, closing off Top Gear, the other two guys, one's a comedian, a northern comedian, and the other guy, um, uh, Freddie Flintoff, he's a cricketer. And right. and, cr- and cricket is that sport that baseball wished it was, so right. um, <laughs> you know. So that's the kind of explanation for that, really. I mean, I I have seen cricket games, and I don't understand what's happening uh, ever. I've watched highlights. I actually watched like the the Freddie Flintoff highlights and whatever. Yeah, and it just sounds like people are saying random words. And there's just a random Look. set of actions. And I'm pretty sure that, like, I could play cricket, too. <laughs> a, I should do a video where, like, what, where, I do, where I do what cricket looks like to me. Because I, I have no idea what's going on. I'm sure, I'm sure it's really impressive, though. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure I just, like, insulted, like, the entire world right now, no, by the I way. Think, <laughs> I think you should do it because yeah. I think... I think that's going to be the next thing on TikTok, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good kid, Like, just, just uh, you know, do do a quick video on what cricket looks like to you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, yeah, um, I think that. 
No, but I know, I know, I know cricket, I know cricket is huge, huge everywhere. Again, like Americans live in a bit of a weird bubble. Um, like with, with all your world series and stuff. Well, yeah, you know, Hey, we're, we always, America always wins the world series. So isn't that great? Um, but no, we, we, we're the only ones with a common sense to call soccer, soccer instead of football, which is another sport entirely. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I know we're in a bit of a, a weird bubble and, and it's one of those sports, you know, there are like sort of more alternative sports or whatever that find their way here and like, you know, soccer or football is, you know, mm. is, is a growing sport in the States, but like, I, I'm not aware of anyone who plays cricket here. Now, now cricket's never yeah. broken through. Yeah. If you have a cricket bat in the state means that you're, you're going to break into a store or something, you know, yeah. like that's all, <laughs> that's all no, you do. Yeah. I can't remember where it was. It might have been in San Francisco. No way. Uh, it's 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 wherever there's a, a huge West Indian sort of immigrant population. Oh, okay. Uh, and I'm I'm sure it was San Francisco that got its own cricket team. I mean, God knows who they play. <laughs> Just themselves. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is the it, it is the one that's never broken through, though, isn't it? Because because you're right. Because football, soccer, whatever you want to call it, that really is starting to take hold now. But I don't see cricket ever breaking through in. in okay, in but you you have to understand that, like, and and maybe this is just a perspective that's hard to have because you 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 know the game. But like, as someone who doesn't know anything about it, I'm not joking. Like, it is one abstract, strange sport. Oh yeah, with all oh, sorts yeah. of oh, no, esoteric no, no, terms. No, no, so it's no. like you can't just like like okay, you've never seen a, a, a football, right? Like like soccer soccer game, uh, a baseball game, or especially basketball or hockey or something like that, you could go to a game and be like, I understand. You know, yeah. I can see generally what's happening. Baseball, maybe even a little less so. That's a bit weird. And I think that's why yeah. it, that doesn't necessarily transfer so well. But, like, that, that is a thing. And, and American football, of course, is also, like, I'd say it's, like, halfway through. But, like, cricket is just, like, I really, really do not understand what I'm saying. No, it's, <laughs> so. it's, it's out there. You're right. Because if you watch baseball and you're from the UK, you probably played rounders at school. Right. And rounders has the concept that you, you run around, effectively, to get a run, you run around right. a, a section and you've got to hit it with a bat that's a similar shape. And the only bit that's complicated in baseball is really understanding how you get out. I mean, right. I understand if somebody catches you, I get that. Yeah. But the whole thing about a ball being, you know, a, a, a strike or what have you, just depending on roughly where it falls within a guy's frame. Right. That's the bit that's a little bit a little bit odd. But there, there are it, a lot of weird, like, like situational rules and there's a lot of really... Fast decisions that happen like with very little action overall, but I'd say baseball could be tough. But if you're, you're what you're talking about, at least you have something to draw upon. There's nothing. There's nothing that we have that's like cricket. Nobody's so, got anything like cricket. I kind of want to like learn how. I'm gonna watch a YouTube video on how it works now because like I'm I'm fascinated. Yeah, it's, the, it's <laughs> yeah. the only sport that has two meal breaks in the day. Wait, what? It, okay, so you, yeah, you no, stop yeah. for lunch and you stop for tea in cricket. You, you you eat yes during the sport yeah you stop yeah, yeah. and you have a meal break and that happens twice okay i want to play cricket <laughs> that happens twice i mean no other sport does wait that. how long how long how long is a, a game well a test match a test match is over 5, five. days and it's one, from the hours wait, of one, 11 till 6 in an evening you see now i can't tell if you're just messing with me cuz no, i'm american no. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, well, the game takes three months, and <laughs> listen, it's got nothing to do with the fact that when you said QAnon, I genuinely thought for about a nanosecond you were being serious. Good, <laughs> that's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. <laughs> no, and you managed it. You managed it. There's a there's a bead of sweat running down my neck. You're like <laughs> uh, t- t- technical difficulties. I can't hear you. <laughs> We've got another Jace. But no, it's um, but no cricket. Yes, you do. so a test match. There's various forms of cricket, <clears throat> uh, starting from a form that will you can do in three hours called twenty twenty through to what the, the the cricket proper is test match cricket and it lasts for five days and you start at eleven in the morning, you finish at six at night, you have a break for lunch and you have a break for tea in the afternoon. And That's I'm being dead serious. That's insane. It also has four different outcomes. So you can you can win, yeah. You can lose, yeah. you can draw, and you can tie. What's the difference between drawing and tying? So, so tying is that you end up on exactly the same score, but a draw 
means that after five days, neither side has won. Wow. It's the, quant- <laughs> it's the quantum sport. <laughs> it exists in many states. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and the losing team, I assume, all gets uh, uh, executed by hanging, right? Yeah, At the end, yeah, yeah. of course. Um, <laughs> as is tradition. <laughs> it is... You know, I, uh, we've seen on sort of like lots of, of footage the um, uh, what they call like the, the, you know, you pull up to the stadium, you open up the, I was going to say the boot, the hood of the car, and get the beers out and the barbecue and and stuff like that. Uh, but cricket does that for five days. That's insane. You can start drinking at eight a.m. It's, it's so is it just, just a, a five day drinking binge? Because it does sound mm. to to some degree does sound like baseball in that it's long and I'm guessing relatively slow at times. And that's what you do at a baseball game. There's nine innings. It's a pretty long game. It can go for a while. So you go with it there with your buddies. You don't have to absolutely pay attention the whole time. You drink your beers. You you know. But it's yeah. but it's like you know even like on the longer side like four four hours five hours like uh, which I consider to be way too long. Um, and which is why I'm not a massive baseball fan. <laughs> I'll go to a game, you know, but like it's it's a long time. But you're talking about five days of that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Man, no wonder you guys did Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. That was mean. That was mean. <laughs> that, that, I, you guys don't deserve that. You're very nice guys. Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, <laughs> anyway. All right, now uh, we've lost absolutely everybody because I've, I've managed to insult you guys, your entire country. No, no. Let's, uh, let's no, move right f- on. You, 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 you're fine. You're fine. Uh, so, thirty minutes in, let's start the podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. That. This is a re- this is a record for us. No, one thing I was going to say um, because um, this has all been thrown thrown together. Sounds like it's been thrown together. This has all come about um, because we're now sponsored by Focusrite, and you have a relationship with Focusrite, don't you? I do indeed. Yeah. Should I, should I explain why Simon suggested? Uh, well, Simon came in and said, "Oh, I'll, I'll sort out a guest for you." Because a couple of years ago at Nam, I met him outside the Marriott bar one night, and uh, we were just having. A, and I didn't really know him, and we were just having a chat. I knew some other guys from Focus Right and everything, and then it turned out that he's a bass player, uh, which I didn't know. And I said, "Well, I'm just going to. Is it the Clarion Hotel that's on the corner of Exhibition Convention Way at Nam or whatever?" Uh. And I said, "Well, I'm just going to the." The Friday night bass night or whatever it's called. I mean, it's it, it's a truly hideous <laughs> sort of like evening of entertainment. And he said, who's on? And I, for the life of me, I can't remember because it all went like really loudly for hours on end. <laughs> and I told him who the lineup was and he was like, oh, my God, he's a hero of mine. And I went, I'll get you in. And, and, and that was like, whatever you want, mate, I'll sort it out. You got me into... A night of bass. Wow. Well, you know, that's uh, apparently the gift that keeps on giving. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say that I left the night of bass before Simon did. I was like, I, I was in there about an hour and a half. I was like, I'm no, an hour and a half. Wow. It's well. impressive. There, yeah. there was a bar. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, solves. All, yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to our guest and focus, right? So you've, you've, you've got a relationship with focus, right? How did that come about? Um, <sighs> You know, I think back in the day, they were introducing their uh, their small USB uh, mm-hmm. interfaces. They wanted me to uh, do a video. I did a video, which um, ended up getting like a ton of views. I don't really know why, uh, but it was just like just sort of like like recording basics, like very 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 pro- preliminary stuff. Um, and uh, I, I think uh, you know that's why I was like maybe I should do more of these things or whatever these instructional things. I was trying it out. I was working with the my buddy uh, Jeff Holcomb, who does lights for us live now, um, and he edited it. And uh, yeah, I think that's where it all started. And we just kind of, you know, I like to I like to work with people that I get along with, and like their products are good. And uh, really, with the interfaces, I just want them to be reliable. Like mm. you know, uh, and and I just had really good luck with them, and it just kind of evolved from there. Um, and right now, you're hearing my voice through a Focusrite preamp. Mm. Sounds warm. <laughs> Kind of vintage. You're also hearing my voice through a Focusrite preamp as well. But are they also hearing it through a Focusrite Red 8 pre-interface? Oh, 
No, 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 no. Now, <laughs> I mean, I mean, like they've they've outfitted me with stuff. I've been, you know, it's one of those things where, like, if it works, that that's that's the main thing because not every interface is um, has been very stable for me in the past. It's the worst when these things uh, malfunction and crash. But I've very, I've had very good luck with them. Um, I like working with them. We've done a bunch of little things over the years, so uh, I've kind of stuck around with them. You know, you know, in this business, it's about just working with people that you like, right? Mm. Uh, it's mm. probably one of the most important things. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's worked. It's worked out really well for us, hasn't it? They've 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 been really great. And uh... they, I mean, they have. I mean, we did say um, it, uh, thank you for the offer of sponsoring the podcast. We will take the piss. <laughs> yeah. And they went. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I know is not how it's supposed to work, but actually, yeah. uh, you know. They get it, so yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's funny because it's interfaces, which are like the least sexy thing to try to mm-hmm. sell. We have many conversations about that with them. It's just like it's a very tough thing. It's a tough thing to sell because when it's working perfectly, basically nothing really happens. It's like it's like oh, it records, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like uh, you know, like I've gotten now a setup with like all these inputs. You see all this gear, so now like we worked out a setup where all this stuff's just plugged in, which is kind of wonderful. Um, and uh and they helped me out with that which is nice um but yeah it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a tough thing to to explain to people like why they might need this why do this brand over that brand or whatever it's not like getting like a, a sexy new guitar or pedal or something like that you know we're like oh look at this that does kind of lead on to the fact that you've just launched a new guitar haven't you what four or five days ago uh yeah i've got it right here this this bad boy very um, nice um should be uh starting to ship in april or may may i think got a couple other things coming out this year uh, also got this one actually how isn't that the nam acronym isn't it not available maybe may right <laughs> i haven't heard that but my god how accurate um <laughs> yeah but uh, so I, I did like uh, my i've got these like pro series these import versions of my uh guitar and we put Evertune bridges on on them, so now oh, they're available with Evertunes or or Hardtail, whatever you prefer. I've never actually played a, an Evertune. Oh, really? I, I, I'm utterly fasc- fascinated by them. Yeah. Given that I I tend to play Les Paul type guitars more than anything. Yeah. Which go out of tune basically as soon as you look. Yeah. At them. Um, and you said you record in the studio quite a bit, right? Yeah, you need an Evertune. <laughs> I mean, it literally <laughs> cuts down my studio time, and you know how much time is in the studio just tuning, just tuning, tuning, yeah. tuning. Like this is one of those things I tell people: like you don't understand. Like when you record an album, like half of what you're doing is tuning. It's like no, it's not in tune. No, it's not in tune. Uh, retune. You know, it's just like that is your life. So having something where you don't have to do that is a huge time saver. Um, I still prefer the sound of a guitar with a hardtail bridge, and I think I still think they they feel a little bit better. But sometimes it's just not worth the pain. You know? So <laughs> so I have both. I always have both. And that's why like I didn't replace my model with the Evertune bridge. It's but it is some like I can't tell you the last time that I did a session in the studio and didn't have one on hand. You know, it's like an essential it's an essential tool. Because when you need it, it will save you so much time. And you can do impossible things like I pick really hard. There's a way to set it. So so I maybe for the uninitiated it's it's literally a bridge that's on your guitar it prevents it from going out of tune uses some some fancy magic or astrology i don't know but anyways <laughs> like it uh there's a way to set it to where like literally nothing you do will you know you can bend you can do whatever right and th- that's sort of like the safe zone or whatever but you can eventually use the, the the tuning peg on the guitar is not actually to tune it necessarily sort of to set where it is and eventually you can tune it up to where it gets out of that range and then it sort of tunes normally. So what I do is I have it sit right at the edge there so that when I'm picking really hard, the note is still dead flat. You're not getting, you know, like we tune low and like sometimes when you pick hard, it'll go sharp and then settle. That's really annoying. It makes it hard for recording or whatever. But I'll pick really, really hard to get the tone that I want and uh, the note will stay completely in tune. But if I bend, it actually pulls it out of that safe zone and then you can still get your bend, your vibrato and all that kind of stuff. So you have that sweet spot where you get your you, you get to have your cake and eat it too. Um, and uh, and that is how I set it for the studio. That's how I set it when I use it live. And it's worked really, really well. Yeah. I, I will have to have a go at one with, at some point. But the, uh, 
I, I know that a mate of mine tried to get me to buy one at Nam a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah, it's a lot. And like, mate, they don't sell anything at Nam. Yeah, I, could, I, could, I, I can't buy one. I can buy three thousand of them to <laughs> place an order for that. But um, but they they are quite expensive as well, aren't they? Um, these, um... I, I guess that, that you know I don't really know. I mean, like to to retrofit perhaps, and maybe on Les Paul they make like a a Les Paul specific bridge. I'm not really sure how much it costs because i haven't had to buy one in a while yeah it's, but it's, like it's a problem but, i've never had to buy one but so the thing free. is <laughs> i mean like i'm pretty sure it's like the evertune model is maybe a hundred or 200 bucks more than the regular bridge which i guess is not nothing uh for my pro series but at the same time it is it's a pretty hefty piece of uh engineering like and they do have to maybe not on a les paul but like on most of the guitars with like regular sort of hardtail bridges like hip shots or whatever like um they carve the carve is massive and that's what a lot mm. of people have a problem with but again it's like i'm not saying it should be your only guitar but if you're in the studio anyone who's in the studio and use one understands why i don't do a studio session without at least one yeah, yeah. um so i i'd say you know whenever it's convenient maybe uh check it out i will i will so so tell us about this new new jackson then and how that came about oh this one yeah so so this actually started life as a uh, custom shop on a bit of a strat kick as one does right um and like i I got some uh, fender custom shops and i you know ones that really just had all the mojo and i was like these are great and i was like you know i bet i could do a version that looks like this but that is my guitar so i've got my signature guitars with uh with jackson you know the main things like you got super flat fretboards, like 20-inch radius, jumbo stainless steel frets. You got my signature bare-knuckle pickups, either the Ragnarok or the Jugger- Juggernaut, um, which are which are aggressive, but they're versatile. But like you know, mm. for my band, we need we need a, we need versatile pickups and versatile versatile sounds. But when it's aggressive, it needs to be legitimately aggressive and very dynamic. I, I'm a hard picker, so I like it when I can use my hand as a, a volume knob, as it were. So I was like, is there a way to sort of Combine what I like with the look of like a relict dad rock guitar. And that's what the the custom shop one is. It had nitro finish and it was relic by the Fender custom shop guys. Because Fender owns Jackson, I'm allowed to use the Fender headstock design, which is a nice little perk. Um, and uh, and those guitars, I, I got two of them. I was using them live. I was using them in the studio and they were very popular. People really liked them. And I was like, look, like we should do a production model. They're like, it's interesting that you say that. Um, we're starting production in Japan, and like this, we actually think they could do a great job. This is actually the first prototype that they sent me, and it is the only prototype they needed to send me because this guitar came out so phenomenal that it's actually been my main go-to guitar for recording and just jamming since I got it, and it was just perfect. That very rarely happens where there's not like a revision or whatever, but they just absolutely nailed it, and I was so happy with the fit and the finish and everything. I was like, just we're sign off let's do this let's so that's what's uh that's what's being sold now so this has yeah it has a roasted um roasted maple neck and fretboard stainless steel jumbo frets 20 inch radius it's got bare knuckle ragnarok bridge pickup but it's got uh a trilogy suite uh bare knuckle trilogy suite neck and middle so you have the five-way switch very aggressive uh pickup it does clean up nicely surprisingly but like you have the second position and the fourth position which are very essential strap positions and they sound legit and you know obviously the single quotes and whatever they they, they're well matched in eq and Mm. output wise to the the ragnarok it looks the part of just sort of a regular strap it's a total sleeper uh and i went for the um i went for the matching headstock just because you don't see too many of them and i thought i thought it looked pretty cool so Mm. yeah do sound a little different it does um, we're, uh, we're 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 recording with uh, Tim next week, I think. Uh, oh, really? Bare knuckle. Okay. Yeah. We try and mix it up so artist one week, manufacturer the the next sort of thing, you know. And it's really weird actually because I was looking through your sort of um, uh, you know that I can't remember what that web page is called the sort of like the rundown of people's rigs, not the premier guitar. Right, thing. right, right. You know, so it just kind of lists all your gear, and I was like, oh my god, half of half of my exhibitors at my event you use so you got uh, you got a bare knuckle and you've got a black machine uh, yeah Doug comes and does the event uh you got a, a zilla cab yeah paul comes and does the yeah. event. 
I was like, hey, are you sure you're not British? Oh, my dad is. Oh, <laughs> uh, right, okay. I didn't and know by that. the way, thanks for that. I used to have a passport to the entire uh, European Union. <laughs> so that's why I still get to be a little bitter because, you know, that used to get me a lot more places, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Uh, d- d- we're we're big exactly too. the same yeah. for us. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, but but uh, no. In all seriousness, I mean, there's there's just great uh, great British manufacturers. Actually, like the, the bare knuckle story is really interesting because uh, I was just on the forums. I forget which forum. I you know I was a forum kid when I was uh, coming up, and like just again, it's like with with cars back then. Like no one cared about gear. No one cared about metal or anything like that. So you found a group of people that you could nerd out with that stuff. It's like, you're all my best friends. Let's talk about this yeah. all day. <laughs> um, and like bare knuckles were hyped, but there was no easy way to try them out, you know, and they look cool. They had the cool covers, the camo covers or whatever. Um, and you know, I had a bunch of British friends who were like, they're, they're, they're legit. I think you should try them out. And eventually I just, they're like, just called him. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, they're like, yeah, he'll just get on the phone with you. And I got on the phone with him. I was like, wow, this guy is awesome. <laughs> like, he's a really nice guy. He knows everything about pickups, but he'll also admit the stuff he doesn't know. Like, he's not a know-it-all, but he really, like, it just, you, the, the passion just oozes from him. And it was so addictive. And, like, then, like, he was like, yeah, I think, like, you'll like these pickups. And the funny thing is I was actually getting free pickups from uh, DiMarzio at that point in time because they were kind of courting me for a relationship there. And I was still like, you know, at that point in time, like, I think the first set I just, the first few sets I just paid full price for. And then I think I started to get like a slight discount on them. But, you know, who's a smaller company? I don't think he necessarily could have been affording to send me anything for free. And I was still just buying them over getting over just using the free pickups. So I was like, ah, I just love these. <laughs> these make every guitar better, you know? And just since then, uh, you know, it's like flourished into a really good relationship. Again, as I've said, like I like to work with people that not only make good products, but people that I like. Uh, and and Tim Tim is one of the most lovely human beings you'll ever meet in your life. Um, He's a real monster player oh, as well, isn't he? Absolutely. But I don't I don't think he could do what he does if he wasn't. You know, like when you play, you start to pay attention to nuance. It, like the the stuff that we that we fret about, pardon the pun, is really really just minutia at the end of the day and stuff most people wouldn't hear or feel so you don't get to that level like to most people the difference between a bare knuckle and, and a, a demarge is just like it's like oh it's just a pickup it's the same pickup you know whatever and to me there's a world of difference you don't get to that level by being by not playing or being a sort of mediocre player like he's chasing something very real and he's using either his pickup design or sometimes signature design as a way to explore that. Like when we were designing both of my pick, uh, my signature sets, he was, he was kind of like, you know, this is great because it gives me an opportunity. I've always wanted an excuse to try these, these ideas out, you know? Uh, and it gave him, it gave him a reason to sort of explore that, you know? Yeah. I, I went to see him years ago. He was in a, an Ozzy Osbourne tribute act. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I, and, but he managed to play. So you, you know, if you get if you go and see Ozzy now, whichever guitarist I think it's Gus G at the moment just plays like Gus G, or or Zach Wild plays like Zach Wild sort of thing, but Tim managed to pull off sounding like Iomi, you know, Randy Rhodes, Jake Lee, and Zach Wild. Yeah, and and that's really hard to do four completely different styles and be sort of like I think you know, I think he's got a very finely tuned ear. So he can pick up on these things that that separate the players, and and you know, I think that's just one of his gifts, and that's what translates to the pickups as well. But like you know, because all the knowledge in the world can't help you if you can't hear it, you know, or feel it, or whatever. And like I think that's like the way he does one thing is the way he does everything. He's probably really just broken down what separates their styles and like analyzed and been very meticulous about like how to recreate that and i also don't like his instagram feed which is just him at the beach essentially <laughs> you'd be like wait you make pickups <laughs> beach, beach and coffee at the beach yeah well you know he's in he's in cornwall which is uh, a really nice place by the way it's like <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, off, it's off the beaten path but you know i always go there to, to when we're uh, designing the pickups and and i'm always like yep <laughs> This is awesome. This is a great little getaway, you know? And as I understand, that's where people go in the UK to get away yeah, from all the craziness, right? We're not allowed there now. We're not allowed in Europe now, so we, we've got to go to Cornwall. Well, before you know it, Cornwall will get crowded. <laughs> that's that's going to be the uh, the real disaster here. You know what's so crazy? Every time I 
would go to Cornwall, we went on like roads <laughs> that are like yeah. the width of a car. And like, I'm just like, so if, if another car comes the other way, it's like, well, one of us is backing up for a while. <laughs> that, one of you's going to go backwards. I'm like, how uh, you you as a individual can get there but i don't know how a group of people or a large group of people get i think that's the whole point of that place it's that's very strange it's it's <laughs> it is yeah well the thing as well is it's uh the roads are that wide and they're hedges on both sides normally yep yep so it's, it's just like, like scratching a, your car yeah eight foot hedge <laughs> yep. just single single yeah oh yeah that's cool come yeah. we love, we love cornwall it's great uh <laughs> that we can't go to cornwall now even because Cornwall's about the lowest COVID um, spot in the country, and they don't want anybody to go in. Yeah, good, so good for them. <laughs> uh, they, they, they've kept it; they've managed to keep it really, uh, really, really low, which is uh, which is great. It's interesting what you mentioned there about Tim and the pickups, because we because we've interviewed quite a lot of people who make pickups or make amps or make whatever they do, and a lot of them are one and two man bands. With with very with real individuals who run the companies, and that thing you just said about oh, this is great because I've always wanted to build a pickup or explore that kind of option, and when you do it with an artist, you can get there. Do you think that's something that's more unique about the UK? Or are those people buried away in the US? It's just that we don't. Tend no, to get I, th- to- I think you get those people everywhere. Um, I mean, I I think there's just a lot. I think there's a lot of people and a lot of musicians and a lot of industry around music in the UK, you know? Mm. It's just a very well-developed scene, and there's a lot of incentive and maybe resource to, to, to get into it. So you will see a lot of... You'll see... A, there's Yeah, there's incredible builders. It, it, it's amazing what the UK is, actually, like, when you consider how small it is, you know? But, like, it's also unique in that it... I can't think of another country in the world where you go 30 minutes in any direction and there's a completely different accent and culture you know like that most places are not like maybe like the northeast in the 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 states which interestingly is called new england but like <laughs> you know <laughs> like it's it, it's pretty unique i think there's a large concentration of everything um in the uk so maybe that maybe there's a higher concentration i haven't really ever thought about that to be to be honest but um, I guess you could get a person like Tim any anywhere, really. Like uh, it's just he's a he's a very unique, a very unique person and extremely talented, and has sort of put his talents into a realm that I think a lot of people just didn't focus on those things. Like pickups were kind of like accepted to be like you're either Seymour Duncan, DeMarzio, or EMG. Yeah. And these are your choices. And this is the sort of bar. And he was like, well, what if I just build like, you know, the Rolls Royce of pickups and I charge the price accordingly and I don't care about costs. I don't care about anything. We have a, we have like kind of a lean operation. We do everything ourselves. You know, he has oversight over everything. What would happen, you know? And that's what happens. And I don't think he's ever run a sale in his life, you know, and the price has always been the price. And I like that, you know? Anyway, We'll talk to Tim about all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Next week. Like, you can just talk to him about it next week. <laughs> he comes over here, he moans about the roads. Unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Then he starts this QAnon rubbish. It's just, oh, I was glad when he went back home. Yeah, really right. <laughs> I, I'm kind of intrigued. You say your dad was Brit- Your dad is British. So um, where's he from? So he was born in London. He actually grew up in Mauritius. Um and uh and that's that's where he spent uh you know sort of beginning part of his life then he went to boarding school in uh if it wasn't i don't know where it was i know that like his teacher ended up living in a town called uh or one of his favorite teachers it was like our unofficial grand grandpa at one point like was like living in a town called sandwich yes. <laughs> which is yeah. of course of yeah. course it was uh <laughs> and um but i don't know if that's where the school was it was called Millfield. Um, and then he went to London School of Economics. Uh, and then he moved to the States um, right, okay. from there. Was it, was it Washington, D.C.? Yep. That that's where I, I was born and raised uh, for the most part. Yep. Cool. So, um, yeah, kind of an interesting. And, and, uh, and my, my background in ethnicity is literally from everywhere. And that's that's a whole other podcast right there. <laughs> so, <laughs> But, yeah. Um, but, no, tech, yeah, technically... Uh, Technically, I, I actually do have a, a British passport, um, 
I used to have a, a European passport. Yes. But now I have a British passport. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, please don't remind us of that. But just. just hey, know. man, it affects me too. Yeah. Maybe not quite as much. I have been kind of concerned, though, because um, I don't know how this affects touring. And, like, the UK is not only one of our strongest markets in Europe, but maybe our strongest market. Like, uh, London was the biggest show we ever headlined. Hmm. Um, and we put out an, uh, uh, a live album of that, of that show. Um, and, um, yeah, like, like the, the UK is kind of the cornerstone of our, uh, European tours because I'm, as I'm sure you're aware, like touring in Europe, touring in general is expensive touring in Europe, even more so as an American band. Um, and you know, we kind of count on a lot of the income, usually like our European tours start in the red. And maybe we get into the black uh, with merch, yeah. you know. Uh, but a lot of that is counting on the the sort of guarantees from from the the UK shows. Uh, and there's a lot of questions about like, oh, are you going to get held up at the border? What's the deal with visas? What's the deal? You know. And I think there's a lot of question marks. Obviously, we don't even know the answers to any of this stuff with with COVID currently. Mm. But even after that, um, I think we're going to see because there's a lot of there's a lot of questions about what the logistics of actually entering and exiting the UK as a band would look like and what sort of timeline that would happen on. Is that border crossing going to take hours? Could it potentially take longer? Could it take a day? You know, I don't know. We we don't know that yet. I mean, the thing, I guess the thing is, if you came across as a band to play in the UK, getting in and out of the UK from the US is going to be no different now than it was before. The problem is it isn't an entry point into Europe anymore. So right. whereas you went through immigration to get into the UK and effectively that was it, you were done with that and now you yep. could move across Europe really easily. Wherever you come in, whether you come in via Europe uh, or via the UK, you're going to face that immigration problem. But you potentially yeah. now face it twice. Now, once you go across from the UK into Europe, then you're free to go everywhere because once Europe's let you in, Europe's going to let you move around because you'll have gone right, through its right. immigration point. The problem for... For the for, you know a little uh, is for the UK obviously from UK musicians now is we're having to work with paperwork and things so you'll have to work with carnets and all manner of things just to get across right. from the US anyway you've got that shit to deal with right we've got used to not having that to deal with we've got used to be yeah. able to pack a you know load load a, a tour bus and go and right. not have to worry now the bits that you guys have to do to come to Europe we're going to have to do to go to Europe as well, except Europe's only right. 22 miles away if you live in Kent. And that's the crazy you know, part of it all. Um, right. For you, realistically, it's probably just going to be one more immigration line, I would have thought. But at the moment, who knows? At the moment, who knows? Well, I'm, looking at the, um, I'm looking at the Musicians' Union um, flowchart, which <laughs> they've drawn up post-Brexit, because uh, I have to teach this stuff because I lecture as the rest of the time when I'm not running events. And um, so British people have got to have a valid six months plus on their passport or get a new passport. We've got to now get travel and health insurance, which wasn't really an issue before. Um, we'll have to have a, a CITES document if we obviously take Rosewood right. with us. Oh, um, got a carnet, which is £351.60. Uh, and now I'm not sure whether that is the cost for the band or whether that's the cost per person. Well, usually with carnets, it's like it's depending on what you bring. Like it costs more if you're bringing more gear, at least. Mm. Or I forget exactly how it works, but like I don't think I don't don't remember that being like a fixed cost. And that CITES thing is just gonna be brutal, man. Like just stop putting rosewood on guitars, I guess. Or don't don't You're ever all right with your new one? Yeah, no, no, I don't. I've never, yeah. I've never actually had rosewood on any of my guitars. It's not necessarily my favorite. Um, for, you know, generally you have it on a fretboard. It's not been my favorite uh, fretboard material. Um, so, so I've kind of skirted that. I think some of the guys might have had it just because they didn't have like ebony available or whatever. You know, some some mm. companies have trouble sourcing stuff. But yeah, that's just become a real pain all of a sudden. Like now you need to have documentation just for certain guitars. It's very possible some of the other guys in the band may have to deal with it, you know? 
Yeah, well, I mean, this is it. This is when it becomes like that. Well, those are my touring guitars. I know they've got maple right. boards, but I'm just going to have to yeah. live with that for the tour. It's not worth because it. Other... Yeah, it's just not worth it. And we've also got to get an Eori number, which is a European VAT number. Yeah. So whatever merch is sold, the VAT has to be paid to European Union and that. I don't think it'll be that much difficult. That much more difficult for you because a lot of what we're going to have to get used to, you guys still have to do anyway. Right. Because we may have it, to double up. My concern is mainly the time it takes to cross the border, which already wasn't like I guess like you still had to clear a thing, but it's relatively quick, you know. Yeah, you, you, like, you're going to have one. You're going to have it twice instead of once. I mean, immigration right. is normally where you know it used to be. If you entered the UK or what have you. You'd have to, or wherever you entered, you'd have to do that immigration check once. Yep. And that'd be good for all of Europe. You're going to have to do it twice now. You're going to have to do it for the UK yeah. and for Europe, but you're still going to be able to move around Europe when you, you know, when you, when you do it. So I don't think that's going to be much of a problem. Actually, though, do you know what, Antno? I think it's quite fair because every time I've got off the plane at LAX for NAM, I've stood there for about two and a half hours before yeah. they let me into the country. So, you know. Yeah, it's just hanging up for that time. Balancing it up. That is because you're flying during NAM, though, and 100,000 people are going to this convention, you know, in LA. So, all for the same days, all, like, generally getting in on the same days, all generally leaving on the same days. So, yeah. You see, the last. It, it does get kind of crazy. The last couple of times I've done it, I whizzed through really quickly. It was the only time I was really pleased there was a white supremacist in the White House because I just. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to get through that line really, really quick. Uh, you know, so it's, uh, you know. You weren't, you weren't flagged down. No, no, no fly lists. No, you no. Know, you, don't, you, don't, you don't tend to have that problem. That's interesting. No, <laughs> no. I, got the wrong, I got the wrong skin color and last name for that, unfortunately. <laughs> I was just thinking when you were talking about guitars there, because I was looked over to the wall and thought, well, my, 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 my Strat's got a rosewood board on it, and... I just started to think about the difficulties of, of, you know, of moving that around Europe and really just was thankful for the fact I can't really play. Um, it's never, <laughs> it's never going to be something that's going to ever be a concern because nobody outside of this room, in fact, nobody in this house wants to hear me play, let alone outside <laughs> these four walls. So, uh, so I, it just, it'll just stay here. I'm never going to have to move the thing. Well, there's, there's... And, and frankly, I'm just too old. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, as I say, I love playing shows. I don't necessarily love touring. It's not bad staying home. <laughs> uh, it's the shows. It's the shows themselves. Like after all the the BS has been dealt with, that is the fun part, you know. Um, but it just sounds like we're just going to be adding to that that list of uh, of BS to deal with. <laughs> well, we'll we'll think about. Yeah, wrapping it up. I mean, we've done an hour, wow, which is incredible, and and touched on some topics I didn't even think we'd get close to. So that's been really entertaining this evening. I think um, we barely talked about guitar at all. <laughs> well, 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 which actually leads leads to uh, a. Obviously, I was going to quickly ask um, about the solo album. If you have a rough idea um, when that will be out and where where people can go to find out more about that. Um, so yeah, I mean uh, that should be out. God. I'm I'm just frustrated because I just found out that like I can't turn in the last masters, but uh, hopefully in the next few days I'll turn it in. So three months from from today, yeah, ish. So so let's just say let's say March April around that time it's going to be released on uh, the our record label uh, Three Dot Recordings. Um, so I'll be posting about it. You know, um, there isn't there isn't really a bulb the 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 solo albums under my pseudonym bulb. But uh, there's not really a site or anything. I, I probably should have done something, but I don't care. Whatever. Um, it'll be out. It'll be out on every every streaming platform, and uh, we'll probably do a vinyl run because I love vinyl. Hmm. So um, you know, if you find it, you find it. If you don't, cool. You know. <laughs> well, let us know close to time. It's definitely around, and we'll we'll spread the word as as best we can. But more importantly, well, not more important. Nothing more important than that, particularly for, for a labour of love like that. But when you come over next, we'll have to meet in Cornwall. We'll have yeah. to go for a cream tea. Uh, that's a that's a. I'm I'm definitely down to do. That. <laughs> I mean, it's just so far. You know, like I've wanted to go there. Uh, it's just so far off the beaten path. It takes so long oh. to get there. Like when we tour, this is the thing people don't realize is like, you know, we've been all over the world, but we really have mostly just been around the venue <laughs> it's like i always say like i could tell you what the block around the venue looks like you know and like generally like that but I, I, 
haven't really been able to explore places. You never really have time to, like, sort of get away. I couldn't, like, pop off to Cornwall unless we had, like, actual days off. And generally speaking, the bus is going in a direction, which is the next show. Right. So well, listen, <laughs> it's not like an actual day off. Listen, don't worry about the bus. You let the bus go wherever the bus needs to go. Get, get right. yourself a day off. We'll sort out the rest. All right. We'll, All right. We'll, that sounds we'll, like a plan. We'll, we'll get you to Cornwall for a night and we'll go in because uh, the beer is very good around there. The cider is very good around there. And we can do a cream tea the next day just to soak up the alcohol. So, um, okay. Yeah. You know. I mean, well, then if that's the case, then that is the most important thing. Right. Fine. Screw the solo album. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we must do that next time you come. We'll pick up a few like-minded folk on the way over and see if we can make a couple of days of it. Oh, uh, I know, I know some like-minded folk who'd be down for that. Right, so right. maybe, <laughs> maybe even find a cricket match. Let's see. Right. <laughs> hey, I'll be drunk enough to understand what's going on. That's watch that be like the the, the key that unlocks it. I was like, oh, this is so logical now. <laughs> beer. <laughs> just have to be five beers deep, yeah. and and now all the rules just make perfect sense. <laughs> perfect. You know. How pissed was the guy who invented cricket? <laughs> right. Misha, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been an absolute oh, pleasure. Thanks. Uh, and thank you, thank you very much for your uh, for your time. And uh, and we'll we'll stir up the questions that Tim or the comments Tim has next week, and we'll let you we'll let you come back on them. So we'll send over whatever Tim says, and you can have a <laughs> yeah, ra- yeah. Have he, a can, he can talk. Have him dedicate a good ten minute section to me because I did it to him. It's only <laughs> we'll, fair. We'll, we'll do that. Uh, we'll do that. <laughs> no, I lo- I love him dearly. It's great that you guys are talking to him. Yeah, cool, cool. Well, that's great. Listen, um, Jace, anything you want to add before we? No, just thank you yeah, very it's much. Been, it's been a really blast. Yeah, it. thanks, it's thanks for having. This was a lot of fun, guys. Thanks for thanks for having up uh, having me and putting up with me rather. Oh no, it's, <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. We will have to do it again. We will have to do it again. Absolutely, I'm down anytime, man. Okay, it's cool. Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9 to 42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production. Hey.